Hello, and welcome to episode 93 of the Buell Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today with my Fueligan friend, Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 93 of the podcast. And Melissa Kavanaugh. No, howdy no, ho. No. Is that your new thing? I think that's, that's like my new three thing. Three in a row you've said I know. howdy ho. I really enjoy saying it. Although you've gotten slightly less Mr. Hanky as you've gone. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll bring him back. Okay. And we have the return. This is the the fourth show, second in a row, for Ricky Dunbar Flip 2. How are you, Ricky? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. We stellar performance. Um, so we thought we'd have you back to continue our discussion that we didn't quite finish last time on the travel or the technology study that we put together with you guys and, and stay in touch. So but today we're going to dig into the ins and the outs of what some of the other vendors had to say. So it should be fun little show maybe a little shorter than normal but every time i say it's going to be shorter it ends up being four hours long so who knows well you know speaking of technology mm. hopefully the sound technology is better on this version than what they probably just listened to it was a bit pants in the last one wasn't it it was yeah and my apologies for that we had some technical issues we thought we'd kind of overcome them before starting recording but then uh, yeah, apparently we didn't. So we put together the best quality <laughs> sound we could. It's a little rough, but if you listen to episode 92, hopefully you got the value out of it because there were some really good insights and conversations there with, with Ricky and Free. And uh, so we thought about scrapping it and re-recording it, but we thought we wouldn't capture the magic again. So we, we made that executive decision that we just publish it as is, and there you go. But you know, if, if you want to get some of the details of that study that we talked about on the last episode... You can go to fueltravel.com slash tech study. Well, you know, I was, thinking, I was thinking about the quality. Mm-hmm. And when you use numerology, that was episode 92, which becomes 11, which becomes 1, which becomes the first episode that we hey, recorded. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would right? 11 become 1? I don't understand What's 1 numerology? plus 1? 2. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't <Okay>. understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so based on that, it's like, I feel that that recording was slightly better than our first episode. Yeah, well, when we first started the show, we, we would plonk a Yeti mic in the middle of the, the table, and we'd all kind of just shout at it. Right. And it was it was a little tinny and hollow and didn't sound like butter on your ears, like <laughs> the, new, the new one does. And now that Yeti has se- severe self-esteem issues because you it, guys it screamed at it for so long. I honestly don't even know where the Yeti is. It's probably in a closet somewhere. Um, we, we've since moved on to, to more sophisticated equipment. Uh, but yeah, so sorry about that. Ladies and gentlemen, it, hopefully you still enjoyed the show and didn't have to change your volume on your car or your headphones too much. But it was a good show. I like I like how Pete rolled into the numerology thing. Like he knew exactly what he was talking about, and as soon as someone questioned it, he's like, "I have well, no idea." Yeah. We've we've, we've talked about numerology a few times, and I still don't quite get it because it's all just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. But now yeah. I know it was after. Next actually, time you're gonna be like, "Well, if you take the quantum theory of." You know, you don't know it really, but you're going to sound like you do. Right. Awesome. This is all a precursor to episode 94, which is all about numerology. This is, that's right. <laughs> 10 ways numerology can improve your hotel marketing. That is the next episode. Wait a minute. That would actually be one way that that's it can right. improve your hotel marketing. You can, so you can't See, add I'm, one to one, but you right. can add so one I'm, to zero. I'm getting it now. Awesome. Good job. All right. So, Pete, you started this. You've got to continue this. Oh, it's time for a new jingle. With hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news a ruse. 
write in and let us know on Twitter if you like this jingle or not. I'm, I'm still on the fence. I still want to call it Newsies, but I yeah. think I've been overruled. We're going to call it Newsaroos. But yeah. the jingle is just, I don't know. I'm more than happy if everyone hates it to never do it again. Yeah, or if someone wants to actually record it for real, like with music and such, and send it in, we can use it as a soundbite. <laughs> that would be cool. Put it right in there. But it is time for the Newsaroos. So what do we got, folks? So we have a big newsaroo today. Depending on when you listen to this podcast, you know, at the time we're recording it, Prime Day just wrapped up a couple days ago. And yet again, the 2008 Prime Day set a new record sales for Amazon. And just to kind of give you an understanding of what exactly that means, they, it says increased sales. Here, I'll just give you one example. Within the Prime Day period, they sold 300,000 Instapots. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's like a like a rice cooker. Thi- like you cook things in it like really quickly or something. Oh, that makes sense now. My wife was telling me about that. She's like, we need an Instapot. I'm like, I don't know what that is. No. So it yeah, must have yeah, really it, worked It's, on it's a the new people. hot thing. But no, they sold over 100 million products during the Prime Day sale. Wow. And that's despite having all the issues in the first day. You know, they would, yep. they had a lot of downtime, a lot of, oops, this page can't be mm-hmm. found. It was really frustrating trying to shop. Yeah. Well, you know, day. they end up having everyone at Amazon jumped on a 300 person conference call to address the technology issues. And I've been on a, a dozen person conference call. <laughs> and everyone trying to justify their position. Yeah, but oh my gosh, 300 people conference call. I bet 295 of those did not want to say a word, you know, and were <laughs> yeah. glad it wasn't their fault that these issues were going on. Yeah. How do you even get technology that can handle a 200-way call? Think about that. Yeah, that in itself is pretty impressive. That's probably why the site was down, because all their bandwidth was being taken up by the phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys buy anything? I did not. I did not. I bought a bed. Or a mattress. I bought a new mattress. Yeah. Congratulations. My my mattress is about, I don't know, 20 years old. It's an old spring mattress. I've got a dodgy hip because of it. My wife's been complaining. So finally, it's we, 20 years old. Yeah. So finally, uh, we we bit the bullet and bought a mattress. It was on sale. So, we so you bought a mattress that you didn't even get to try out. Yeah, but they're risk free, right? So a lot of these newer ones, like I bought, I think it was something needle and something. I forget. It was like a Casper, that mm. kind of thing, like a memory gel kind of thing. And their whole shtick is if you don't like it, you call them, tell them you don't want it anymore. They have someone come pick it up and take it and donate it and you get your money back. No, wow. no fuss, no muss. You don't have to ship it back or anything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, what's the risk, you know? So we we got that and uh, should should be there today. So I'm hoping that's really exciting. Next episode, I can report on whether my gammy hip is feeling better and I can keep running. But yeah, that was the biggest investment I made. I also bought a ten dollar Bluetooth <coughs> headphone, like a single ear headphone, because I run with just one ear in, and I had one that had a like a connection to the other earpiece, right? And it just it flapped around when I was running. That's so annoying. I, I just got a single ear one to see see how that is. That's smart that's that somebody $10. actually makes that. Yeah. It's that so you can hear if like someone's sneaking up on you while you're running or <laughs> run faster. So that I don't get hit by cars that don't pay attention to runners in Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Uh, I got you. Yeah. We have a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. So. But one of the things I thought was interesting about this article is you know, it was they say a sixty percent increase over the two thousand sixteen Prime Day. But what's most important, I think, is Amazon Prime Day is a completely made-up holiday. It 
there's no date significance whatsoever. So they decide to make it up. And it's, it's pretty interesting. And we've seen from a hotel perspective that it's something that hotels can do as well. If it's a you know, Christmas in July sale, if it's early Black Friday, whatever it is, you can try to harness that same excitement over a big sale if you're diligent about it. Yeah, we've got a lot of clients that have tried that and, and been successful. The ones that stick with it year after year are successful. Yes. And we see the same thing where it increases every year. People look forward to it. And, you know, a lot of people will do that, you know, in our summer destination kind of properties. They'll create, obviously, they'll, they'll leverage Black Friday, but then they'll also do a similar kind of thing around New Year's, you know, mm-hmm. or end of February or something like that. So it's early enough um, that, that they're getting people on the books, but it's close enough to the summer that people are really thinking about making their summer vacation. Because we as an industry are, are struggling right now with this decreasing booking window, right? People are waiting till the last minute to book and... A lot of hoteliers are panicking and lowering rate, and that's just a vicious spiral out of control. So this is one way you can really help control how much revenue you have on the books and try to maintain your rate parity in a way by offering discounts earlier and then ramping rates up versus slashing prices, having a fire sale. So definitely think about creating some kind of event using email, using social, using paid ads, to create awareness. The first year, it's probably not gonna be that big. But guess what, second year is gonna be bigger, third year is gonna be bigger, and by the fourth or fifth year, you've now got something that if you're a repeat destination that people are gonna look forward mm-hmm. to every single year. Yeah. And you get more and more people on the books early, which is great for everyone. And one thing kind of to build on that also is for that to work, one, like Stuart, like you said, it has to be a multi-year strategy. Understanding that the first year is just another sale, but then two, you have to decide what that sale price is and make sure it is in fact the best sale price of the year. Because if the customer can see through you and if you constantly just keep coming out with these you know, once in a lifetime sales, right. then it becomes noise just like every other piece of marketing out there. Yeah, it can't just be a meh rate. Just whatever you're gonna do, and you can do it multiple times through the year as long as you're clear this is the lowest rate. You just don't yep. ever go under it. So a lot of our guys, I, I know one group particularly, they'll do one where the Black Friday, Cyber Monday week, they, they run that, that deal. They'll run the same deal again in January, and then they'll run one that's not quite as good at the end of February. right? So they're spreading them out by a couple of months at a time. Um, but they never, ever, ever go below that rate that they right. put out of Black Friday. So people always know, if I buy here... I'm locked in, I'm guaranteed. And you may even want to get put verbiage like that on the deals. This is the lowest rate we're going to offer on our website. You'll never find a lower one. If we, if you find a lower one, we'll match it, something like that. Just you got to you got to instill confidence in people to, to loosen their purse strings a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look at Amazon's example. Oh, go ahead, Ricky. I was going to say, I feel like that's something that could work really well if you have like a, like a group, even if it's just a few hotels, because then you can kind of chain it together. Or if, if you if a hotel has the wherewithal to pull the destination together and try and get a, a group of hotels within the destination to do it and kind of market the the idea of the the destination over the single property, I feel like it would have a little more reach, probably reach a better, more qualified audience that way too. Just just as a you know another approach to it. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I mean, look look at what Amazon does with the pricing of their technology devices, be it Echo or Dot or Show. Yeah, the Fire TV. It's like 20 bucks on, on Amazon yeah. Prime. And Day. you will not find a lower price the entire year. That yeah. is the best deal you're going to get. Well, that and Black Friday, right? Those right. are the two dates that you'll get. So, 
you wonder over time does that hurt the Amazon, right? So I don't think I would ever buy an Amazon product now, an electronic product, unless I really needed it, unless it's on one of those two days. I, I certainly wouldn't buy one in the couple months leading up to July. Right. You know that I can save in some cases. I mean, you save half off of a dot. Yeah, I and mean, the Echo Show usually at two thirty. It was it was one twenty nine. So yeah. it's saving a wow. hundred dollars. Yeah. It, it, so there's some deep, deep discounts. I also bought my mother-in-law a laptop, like a Chromebook. Oh, she, oh, she's nice. got a, a Windows machine that takes four hours to boot up. And she she's the kind of person that clicks on things that get her viruses. <laughs> so I figured, let's go with a Chromebook. That'll solve all my problems. But what I didn't think about is Chromebooks. You know, the old laptops, they had the little mouse pad mm-hmm. on them. And, and then they have buttons to click. For right. the mouse. So it took me an hour and a half to get her to <laughs> understand that you just push down on the mouse pad to be the button. So there's a little learning curve. She'll get there. She will. So, but yeah, Amazon Prime Day, I think, is, is a success and something you, you can emulate. And the other interesting part of it was if you look at what the competitors are doing, they're taking advantage of it now. So Targets and the Best Buys and, and, and folks like that are also running deep discounts that same day. So it's become something bigger than just Amazon. And they were seeing like a 20, 30% increase in sales that day because of the hype that Amazon's created and because people are becoming more savvy shoppers. So they'll go to Amazon and see this laptop or whatever's discounted, but it's also discounted at Best Buy and I can go pick mm-hmm. it up today. And, uh, you know, even Target's now doing, have you seen they're doing the same day delivery in yes. town? So same day delivery and you can go pick it up same yeah, thing yeah or they bring it out to your car right yeah so yeah it, it, it's neat to see the competition taking advantage of it i think this you know july 16th date is going to become a bigger thing so there's a there's a term for that i'm gonna i'm gonna go on the record as coining that term here on this podcast it's called prime jacking oh so, i like it mm-hmm. yeah and next year it's going to be even more important because i heard bezos is moving christmas next year to be july 16th <laughs> So, just a, just a heads up, a little tidbit for you for next year's marketing. Christmas will be in July, officially. You heard it here first. Uh, do we have any other news or brews? I don't think we do. All right, just one today. So let's jump into the, the topic. So hopefully you've already listened to the really awesome sound quality episode 92 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast, and you heard some of the, the cool data, you know, to summarize it very briefly I think what we we found was the biggest challenge facing the industry is integration. Um, Both hoteliers and vendors agree on that. We also uh, saw that people are willing to invest in improving the guest experience. So a lot of real big positives. And we also saw saw there's a lot of alignment between hoteliers and vendors in the space, which is all really good. Uh, So after we published the data, we released it at High Tech this year. Uh, We also went to some of the vendors that had answered, some that had not, just people we respect in the industry, and asked them for some feedback. So today's show, we're gonna be digging into the feedback that they provided to us on the study that we produced. So Melissa, who were some of the vendors that we we spoke with and contributed to this? We've got Trust You, Ideas, Sendin, Navis, Travel Tripper, Reveni, and Springer Miller Systems. There you go. So, so keep that in mind, right? When we're doing these kind of studies and, and fuel's done a couple we did another one uh, earlier last year on on leisure travel study with flip to as well we're not doing this to self-serve nothing in the, this data is saying you need to buy 
Flip2's product or, or Stay In Touch's product or, or Fuel's products. That's why we're willing to go out and, and reach out to folks like Travel Tripper who have the similar technology to Fuel. We're, we're willing to reach out to the Springer Millers of the world who offer a PMS uh, with a different value proposition than Stay In Touch. We really are trying to create a conversation in the industry around technology because we feel strongly that there are challenges we all face in this industry that if we can overcome, the industry as a whole is going to benefit and the guests are going to benefit. We're going to bring prices down. We're going to be able to serve people more intelligently and ultimately everyone wins. So it's really the rising tide rises all, raises all boats kind of mentality, which is why we're collaborating with what you would perceive as our competitors in a lot of regards. Obviously, Flip2 doesn't have competitors in this because they don't have competitors. They're very unique um, in their value proposition. But uh, you both Stay In Touch and Fuel reached out deliberately to folks that do the same things or similar things that we do because we felt like it's important to get that unbiased perspective. So with that said, guys, I'm going to throw it out to you. Was there things that stood out? So what, well, let me back up. What were the three questions that we asked the these vendors we asked them what their biggest takeaway was what the one technology will be that disrupts the hospitality industry the most in the next 12 months and what will the guest experience feel like 10 years from now meaning check-in check-out room ambiance etc okay so three kind of different perspectives there right what starting with the first one so what were the biggest takeaways what were some of the things the vendor said i think the vendors really said exactly what we already talked about in the last episode there were two splits it was either customer uh, guest experience or the whole integration challenge were the two big topics between all the vendors that touched on that and the fact that 52 percent of hotels are not satisfied with their current crm providers and you know pms providers and whatever it might be there's a lot of dissatisfaction but doesn't seem like quite enough to you know, make changes either. Yeah, and Free brought up a good point in the in the last episode where she was talking about uh, between you know we didn't really clarify the way the the question was worded. Didn't it was a little ambiguous in terms of were they dissatisfied with the technology or the support? You know, the level of service related to that. So I think when we do the follow up study to this and, and continue to see how this evolves. Uh, I think we want to clarify that a little bit more and, and try to figure out is it service or technology kind of a challenge. Ricky, you have you have any input on that that first question about the takeaways that the vendors supplied? No, not especially. You know, I think it I think it was good to see that the the feedback we got specifically from the vendors that we asked aligned well with what we were getting in the in the survey itself. I think it adds like some a good additional layer of validation to what we were getting from the survey as it is. I think that's really good. It's nice to see that there's you know a thoughtful approach at least to how the guest experience just still tends to be you know something that everyone really needs to focus on and and improve and i think that's just a an ongoing thing with the industry in general is that that should always be top of mind with excuse me with everything that's being everything that's being developed everything that's being you know scoped out and strategized on it it all should revolve around that whether it ends up being a piece of technology an app or whatever it might be you know, that, that is ultimately how to win. Um, whatever winning looks like, it's, it's always going to be tied to guest experience. So it's really encouraging to see that everyone's on the same page with that and that we are getting that similar feedback from the vendor responses. 
Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And it, it's just about how you kind of frame the perception, right? So, say take something like a mobile app for check-in as as a technology. You you could say that the the advantage of that is oh, it streamlines operations because now I don't have to spend as much time checking the guest in as as the hotel, right? The hotel you're saying it saves me money on staff. But really, the ultimate ROI is going to come in guest satisfaction because now the guest doesn't have to wait in line behind a bunch of other grumpy people trying to check in because, you know, they're all tired. They've just traveled however many hours. The kids are driving them crazy. So so I think, you know, even, even though the benefit is there for the hotelier, looking at the main benefit being for the guest always is the way that you're going to remain focused on the hospitality and that's how you're going to ultimately win in this industry i think yeah and i think i think something else to consider too is that with guest experience it's not like like a lot of times when when you hear people talk about it or you read about it in publications a lot of time it's about making things easier making things faster like don't forget the guest experience is all about fun so when you're thinking about improving guest experience just think about how you can just sort of lighten things up just make Maybe it's the the lobby experience. Maybe it's interaction with the staff, and just make things, you know, make things warmer, make things more fun, make things more entertaining. Like that side of it, I feel like it's a much easier lift than than sometimes the efficiency and especially the technology coming into it. Um, I feel like that's a, a much easier lift, and for a lot of people, especially if you just got to the hotel or you just got off an airplane or you're traveling with kids and. That stuff is really stressful, so just lightening things up when the guest checks in, that that effect on the experience a lot of times can overcome other areas where maybe you're working on efficiencies and you haven't quite gotten where you're happy yet. That 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 fun and that you know better environment, better atmosphere, better interaction with the guests a lot of times can make up for the fact that you know you're not quite there on efficiency yet, but at least you're working towards it. Yeah, 100% agree. I, I mean, I think it's really important that we always remember that we're in the people business. And th the best thing we can do is have meaningful interactions with, with our guests. Mm -hmm. So as much as we're talking about and focused on technology, technology can be a cold and sterile in, in you know, ones and zeros kind of a proposition. But at the end of the day, we should be looking at technology of being frictionless and being invisible to the guest in in a way that makes their their stay, you know, more fluid, more um, intuitive, more welcoming, you know, warmer, like you said, Ricky. So, yeah, technology is is a tool that we can use to do a better job at hosting these individual people mm -hmm. at our property. Well, I mean, from a very low tech perspective, I always go back to the Disney example, and if you travel there with kids everybody is giving your kids stickers. If it's the, the maintenance person, if it's the housekeeper, if it's the person checking you in, everybody understands that the kids' currency is stickers. And it doesn't matter where you go, the kids are having this amazing experience because everybody is there making their trip fun. Mm -hmm. And from a parent's perspective, you wanna go where your kids are having fun because that means you're also probably having fun. Yeah, we're in the business of making <clears throat> memories, and memories are created out of individual moments, and, and most of which are contact with other human beings. So anytime you can find time to interact with your guest in a positive way that improves their experience, it's going to be 
you know, something that's ultimately going to make you more money in the long run because the better experience they have, the better reviews they'll leave, the higher ADR they're willing to pay, the higher ADR other people are willing to pay when they see those reviews. So, you know, we are businesses. We do want to make money, but the way we do that is by being the best hosts we can, the best innkeepers that we can. All right, so- yeah, to Pete's point, sorry, to Pete's point really quick, I'll just say as, as, a, as a parent who travels fairly frequently with young children, for the, the hundreds of millions of hotels that are listening to this right now, no matter how bad I feel, if you can make my kids smile, that's going to help me immensely. Just my day is just going to be so much better just because of that. And a sticker, the two cents that that costs, man, that's, that's, that's cool. a big ROI yeah. on that two cents. Yeah. You become a lot more forgiving <clears throat> of the little stuff when people get that kind of thing mm-hmm. right. Right. I can tolerate, you know, a, a little bit of the, the the room not functioning the way it should if my kid's happy and my wife's happy and I'm happy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, we've looked at that in you know, our own data as well of how many times a guest has an interaction with staff improves their overall Yeah, there's a direct correlation between of the property. Yeah. So, and it doesn't matter if it's a a front desk experience or, you know, by the pool experience or just, you know, the housekeeper going above and beyond, mm-hmm. always making that point to, you know, let your entire staff know you are in the customer service business, yeah. not the clothes washing business or bed making business. Yeah. It's easy as when you're on property, <coughs> you're focused on your job, right? You're going from point A to point B to perform a task and, and you're passing the guests on the way. But a smile goes such a long way, a, a happy, you know, acknowledgement. Or even you know, if you're in the in the elevator with a guest, tell them a little, tell the kids a little joke, or give them a sticker, like you said. It doesn't take a whole lot of extra effort, but it really does make a huge difference on the guest experience. So, it's it's really interesting that we you know we started out this whole study on technology, technology, but it always always comes back to the guests at the end of the day and the guest experience, which is great. All right, so For the sure. next question it always that we comes ask, back to stickers. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's always about stickers. And, and hey, Ricky, for the record, I appreciate you saying we have hundreds of millions of, of listeners. I think um, last I counted, we had like three or four, but we're, we're going towards 100 million. Numerology, man. Yeah. Numerology. <laughs> it's important to have goals. <laughs> we're on our way. Um, so the second question was about you know, the next 12, 24 months. What kind of, what, what do they feel like is going to disrupt? And when we asked everyone in the, in the actual survey fortunately blockchain and you ranted about this a little bit last episode ricky blockchain was well at the bottom in terms of where people are investing and people were looking at guest experience but were there any standout feedback from the vendors um, that we asked in terms of what's going to disrupt in the next 12 or 24 months i think there were a few that mentioned ai specifically yeah and machine Mm -hmm. learning yeah, and there's one here from Sendine, uh, Michael J. Bennett, who's the SVP of global marketing. I really like what he says where his answer is robust personalization. Hotels need to access need access to rich data, the ability to store it and action it. Only by embracing an integrated centralized and CRM powered model will hotel companies be able to truly position to provide the high degree of personalization and data security expected by travelers today. I think if you boil that down to that personalized experience, and I went through and kind of highlighted in every one of these responses, personalization, the word personalization was in just about every answer. It was. If you did a tag cloud, <laughs> that would be the largest 
yep. word for sure. And and being able to access and provide that one to one marketing, I think has got to be, you know, front and center for us twelve months and even into the future. Yeah, and and for, you know, to be completely <coughs> clear, Sendine have a <laughs> they're invested in saying that kind of answer, yeah. right? Because that's what they provide the CRM solution. Mm-hmm. But they're hundred percent right. You know, everyone is is clamoring to leverage AI in a way that makes communication with a guest more one to one and more yep. predictive and more intuitive. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that we saw that come through in a lot of these responses. I, I don't think hoteliers realize quite how much investment is going into the AI side right now by the vendors. Every vendor mm-hmm. I talk to, you know, Fuel certainly is. Um, stay in touch, are. I know Flip2 has AI baked into their solution from the very beginning in terms of the the image processing and things like that. So artificial intelligence sounds like this futuristic thing, but it's something that's that's being applied today. You know, our own CRM here at Fuel is now predicting how people are going to interact with your messages and choosing on the fly whether to send you a push notification or a text or an email. Mm-hmm. It's using predictive analytics based on whether or not you visited the website or what pages on the website or where you how long you spent to determine how likely you are to book within the next 30 days and triggering stuff automatically based on that. So mm-hmm. AI is being baked into a lot of the tools that hotels have available to them today. So I really agree with that sentiment that the next 12, 24 months, AI is going to be a huge part of how technology develops in this industry. I So when I was looking through this, the one... Uh, the one piece that kind of popped to me um, was uh, Blake at Ideas. And Blake, I don't think I've met yet, but I'd like to. Um, what you said here in the beginning about, I'm talking to Blake like it's just him listening, by the way. Um, <laughs> hey, Pete, you can play the role of Blake. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> Is that how Blake sounds? I think so. <laughs> Blake, Blake's never going to talk to us now. Um, uh, sorry, Blake. Uh, but um, what I thought you said in, in the comment here was really good. And, and basically what he got at was that... Um, the industry is, well, actually, I'll read exactly what he said. So I said, I think we are due for a change in the guest shopping experience. We, are already, we already see OTAs and meta search sites starting to adapt to consumer behavior when it comes to search. This, I think, is, is huge. And I don't think the industry is, I don't think any industry, except maybe Google and Amazon, are paying enough attention to this yet. But voice is going to be huge. And I think a part of what he's getting at here is that because I feel like the OTAs from a shopping experience, the OTAs have already pretty much nailed that, right? They've they've absolutely clobbered hotel sites with a shopping experience that they're just never going to touch. It's just not going to happen. But I don't think that current shopping experience, the way we see it today, is going to be alive for that much longer. I don't think it's going to see the same kind of longevity that previous iterations saw because of how quickly the technology is, um, uh, voice technology is accelerating. And so so let me just walk you through kind of a hypothetical and kind of where I'm going with this. And I think this is what Blake was getting at. Blake, if it wasn't, um, uh, let Stuart know that I misinterpreted your answer. Um, but basically, people are going to start using voice to make product purchases. And eventually, product purchases are going to turn into service purchases once people are more comfortable with the technology and how good it is at making decisions for them. And that's where the, the AI bit comes in. So think about when we get to the point where you're traveling and you need to get a hotel room and you don't really care where it is. You have maybe a couple specifications and that's about it. So kind of like kind of like shopping on Hotwire 
where you just say, I want a star rating in this neighborhood and you'll just take, you know, get a good price for one or use Priceline and just let them book it for you or whatever. Voice search is going to be similar in that regard. What is it going to take now for a hotel to show up and be the one that gets selected? Because when I, when I open up my phone and I say, okay, Google, and I tell it what to get from it, it just actually just turned on. I probably shouldn't do that. And I say it and I tell it to book a hotel room. It's it, unlike the OTAs and unlike the search engines, it's not going to give me options anymore. It's just going to pick something for me based on the criteria that I gave it. What is that going to look like from a marketing perspective for hotels? How much is it going to cost to be that hotel in the market? And because that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to be not about, you know, show me a list of places I can stay. It's like, oh, I'm in a hurry. Just book something for me. It just needs to be four stars and it needs to be in, you know, the Flatiron District or whatever. That's it. That's all I care about. And then Amazon decides or Google decides or Apple, who decides and how much does it cost to be in that position? And I think that's something to consider. I still think it's a little ways off. But it's something to consider because search is going to be changing a lot in the next five years. Yeah, and I, I don't think AI, like you said, is quite there yet, but it's going to be there. I think I th feel like we're going to go through this transitionary period where it's going to be more of a conversation with our voice device. So I'm going to say I want a hotel in this area in this kind of price range, and they'll they'll start clarifying. Okay, who are you traveling with? How long do you want to stay? Is this business? Is this leisure? So there's going to be some qualifiers that they're going to want to know to help determine so so i think they it's going to go from where we are now where there's a wide variety to select from and we have to do the discerning to the computer doing the discerning for us i feel i felt still feel like that discernment is going to happen but it's going to be automated so hotels are going to have to really try to differentiate themselves and try to find who their unique uh, audience is and what their unique value proposition is and make sure that they're tailoring their offering specifically to those people that they know so so it doesn't become a who pays most gets the biggest share it's going to become okay lots and lots of little niches of things that are a right fit because if my ai device picks the number one result because that's the person that's paying the most but ultimately i don't have a good experience I'm not going to trust that device. So it's in the incentive. The incentive is there for whoever's programming that AI to not necessarily do what Google's doing now, which is going towards the, the highest bidder gets the biggest um, exposure. But but the incentive there is to give me the best results that I'm looking for personally and learn over time what matters to me and what doesn't matter to me. So I agree with you 100%. I think as marketers, we've got to understand how that technology does that discerning and then make sure that we're putting our best foot forward and shining the light in the right ways. It's not really that different than search engines have been over the years where we understand what factors contribute to the algorithm and make sure that our website does the right things that the search engines like to get our best foot forward. But you're right in terms of it's going from having one in 10 chance of being there to now a one in two or three chance of being there. You're nodding Pete. Well, it's just interesting. I was, I was thinking about it in terms of you know, what we typically would think of as, say, a blind referral, or we don't know where that guest is coming from or who they are. In reality, somebody knows who that guest is, just the hotelier doesn't. So you know, Amazon knows exactly who that guest is. You know, Google knows exactly who this guest is. And we just need to make sure that we're putting ourselves in a position where those services can it properly index what we offer 
to show it as high as possible. But the whole idea of it's just either a blind referral or I don't know where this guest came from, that personalization is there. And we just got to find a way to, to best integrate with it and yeah. make sure we have that data. Yeah, and there's going to be this battle royale <laughs> that's going to happen here pretty soon between convenience and privacy. It's, it's always a trade-off, mm -hmm. right? And, and we're getting to that point now where I feel like people are getting a little cavalier with their privacy because the benefits are pretty strong at this point and going to continue to be strong. But you're probably going to see a big divide in the populace of people that say, I, I'm just not willing to give that much data to all these things that are making these determinations for me. Mm -hmm. And then other people, I, myself included, are going to be like, screw it. If I can spend less time doing the research in this AI nails it for me every time and maybe comes up with stuff that I would have missed. It's probably be ultimately going to be better than I am at deciding what I'm going to like. Then what I'm going to give all my data to those people because mm -hmm. that makes that's a convenience for me and I'm, I'm not doing anything that I'm scared about people knowing. Yeah. So why do I care about my privacy? Well, I've got to say I agree with I agree with you on the trade off. Sorry, Pete. I agree with you on the trade off. If if it's going to significantly make my day, my life easier, better, faster, whatever, I will gladly trade the data for for that convenience yeah for sure yeah i mean I, I have a sample size of one me but when i was always very hesitant it's not of, statistically significant people. was 100 percent of the the polling said that <laughs> before i had my credit card information compromised which has happened one or two times it, it was a daunting process oh no my credit card's stolen but now that i find out that my bank alerts me instantaneously a new card is in the mail I take a picture of it with my phone and it updates all my stuff. It really is not that big of a deal. So I'm actually more inclined to, to share that data because it, the risk is, the lower. risk is, you know, it's a little bit of a pain in the butt, but it's not that big of a deal in exchange. I can, you know, take my phone or whatever it is to Dunkin' Donuts and wave it over a machine and I get my stuff. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. For sure. <clears throat> all right. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit and, and look futuristic. So I love this question and all the answers from all of these vendors you can get in the download. So if you go to fueltravel.com slash tech study and download this thing, you're, you're going to see the verbatim, everything they sent us of their feedback. So we're kind of touching on some highlights here, but if you want to go read what the travel trippers and the send nines of the world and the, and the, the, um, the ideas said, then you can go get that fueltravel.com slash tech study. But the last question that we asked them was, Fast forward 10 years from now, you know, a decade from now, what, what, how is technology changing the guest experience? So what, what were some of the things that stood out to you in their responses? I think one thing to look at is what Carson at Springer Miller system says. He goes in the past few years, we have seen a shift away from traditional check-in checkouts, largely through mobile initiatives. And they only expect that to increase to where, when you go to a hotel, it could be much more like an Airbnb experience where your key is your phone and you walk in, it's a personalized experience. You go th right through the whole process. You order both on property and off property items, you know, through your personalized mobile experience and it, your hotel is a place to stay and a place to experience, but it's not necessarily a funnel that you're stuck in, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think it's important. I think a lot of people are going towards this more frictionless stay, right? Where you don't have to wait in line. You don't have to go and talk to someone to get a key or to show who you are. 
you're like our, our app the guest express app we're, we're integrating right now technology using ai where you can scan a, a copy of your id and take a selfie and it verifies identity so you for the states where that is required you're not going to have to necessarily go to the front desk so we're working on ways to give consumers a choice to not have to do the laborious stuff now there's a big caveat to that right because what we talked about earlier was the more you interact with a guest the better their experience is going to be but this gives you an opportunity to change the types of interactions you're having so it isn't this business transaction kind of experiences where you're handing a credit card and they're swiping it it's more how can i help improve your stay kind of interactions how can i make your day a little happier a little more fun like ricky said earlier so don't miss misunderstand the technology proposition it is not an opportunity for you to not engage with your guest it's an opportunity for you to engage with your guest in a more positive um, manner so that every time that experience is improving every time you talk to the guest. Well, you're, you're interacting with them on their terms and not your terms. And I think that's where the big difference is, is because no matter how beautiful of a lobby you have, if someone has to sit there and wait for 10 minutes to check in, you, you, it's a bad experience. Right. And then you have to fill out a big <clears throat> registration card and then you have to get your ID out of your wallet and your credit card. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's all very, you know, I don't know, sterile. And it's, it's, it's a transaction. You don't, right. you want to take the transaction away from it and, focus more on the guest is trying to escape their everyday life and create memories and spend time with family and do the things that they're doing when they travel. Right. Turn that experience back into the surprise and delight experience versus the, I got to get my key experience. Right. Exactly. So, so Pete, instead of taking the credit card, now you can make um, the guest a balloon animal. I can't, I can't do that at all. You've never done balloon animals for your kids? I've tried to, but Really? They've seen me kill many blue animals. I felt like them. that's a skill that, you know, you've, you you always try to learn a new skill every year. I should do balloon animals? I feel like balloon animals. Maybe balloon animals be my next one. Yeah, you've learned to pick the locks. Well, I think balloon animals is a natural progression. I think so. Wait, lock picking? Yeah. Yeah. That's I, a skill you taught your kids? No, no, no. It's a skill I taught. I, every year I teach myself something I don't know how to do. Just as a way oh. to always, you know, constantly be learning new things. So, Is yeah, that I, where the beekeeping thing came from? Yeah, so the so. beekeeping thing was after I was able to get into most padlocks within a couple seconds. I was like, okay, well, now I need to find out how to make be- keep bees. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, he's better at, lock, at picking locks than he is at keeping bees. That is he true. he murder all his bees. <clears throat> yep. so. But we digress. Yes. We do, and since I'm going to backtrack to what we were talking about before, bees and lock picking. So Valerie at Trust You was basically saying what you guys are saying too, and she – puts it in terms of giving the guests more control over their pre-stay and that experience. And she relates it back to what airlines are already doing where, you know, the consumer can go pick their seat and upgrade and all that stuff before they get there. And um, she's saying, you know, give, we should be able to give the consumer more control before they get there. So you can do all the other things that you've just said. Yeah. That choice is, is really important. And, and I think it's also an opportunity for the industry to generate revenue because if you can provide value to someone that they're willing to pay for, but it also improves their experience, that is like best case scenario. So, for example, some guests want to stay on higher floors. Some guests want to stay on lower floors, like near the ground, because you know maybe they don't want to go up elevators or walk stairs, right? Some people just don't want to be in a quieter area, so they want to be high. So 
these are preferences that individuals have that differ from each other. So in a normal scenario, if every guest is just randomly assigned a floor and everyone pays the same amount, no one's really happy with that, right? But in a scenario where you can say for 10 extra dollars a night, you can choose your floor and the people that want to choose high, choose high and the people that want to choose low, choose low. Now your guests are happier and you're making more money. That's a that's a double value proposition, win-win scenario that I think there's a lot of opportunity for in the hospitality industry right now by giving people choice like the airlines do. So I agree 100% with Valerie on that one. We um when I worked at Starwood, we did something similar to that, uh, but it was kind of in the opposite direction. We actually experimented with cutting services and then saving people on their on their rate. So, and then what we did is we gave them an a la carte menu of services after they checked in that they could then purchase as they wanted to. So like so, housekeeping, so the way, like daily housekeeping. It, that, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. So we were so we were managing um, uh, vacation resorts. So we had you know one and two bedroom, basically like apartments or condo style units. And cleaning those units is expensive because you have a kitchen, you have dishes, um, you know, lots of trash cans, uh, multiple bedroom. It was a big cleaning project. And so it meant we had to have a lot of staff to do it. And then a per unit cleaning was expensive for us. And naturally, the bulk of that cost gets passed on into the into the room rate. And so what we experimented with was, okay, you know, I, I basically said when I travel, I don't want housekeeping, period. Like I don't have housekeeping every day where I live. I don't need it in my hotel room, especially when I don't spend more than maybe an hour or two in there aside from sleep. Um, if I could get a room and pay less and forego the housekeeping, that would be great. You know, it saves the hotel money, saves me money, everybody's happy. So we experimented with it and it was it was a huge hit. And we found out that a lot of people really just didn't care at all about having housekeeping. And so for the ones that did, but still wanted to save money, we put together a really nice a la carte housekeeping menu where we broke things out into different services with different fees. And when they checked in, we had them flagged as a, as a no housekeeping guest. It was very clear. That's the, that's the thing though. When you cut services, you have to be super clear up front if they're expected services that they're not going to get it. So we had to be really, really clear about that. So when they checked in, it would signal the front desk. They would give them the, the menu and say, here, take this to your room. If you need anything at all during your stay, Tell us, we'll book it for you, we'll schedule it, and we'll just add it to your folio when you check out. And the bulk of the people, if they stayed five nights or longer, ended up purchasing some level of housekeeping, which in the end still saved us and them money. And they were very happy about that. Yeah, and especially today where you know staffing is such a challenge for people and turning over rooms and people want things like late checkouts and offering that kind of flexibility to a guest can can really help you streamline your operations as well because if not everyone's getting everyday housekeeping that frees the housekeepers up to turn these other rooms around faster hmm. as well so i'm the kind of person when i travel especially on business if i'm only there for two or three nights i keep the do not disturb sign on Same my door here. i just don't want people in my room i just i don't need anything cleaned and i'd rather just eliminate any kind of risk right so mm -hmm. i just don't bother me don't and i so if i could save a couple of bucks on that that would be really, really good. Yeah, I also like what Valerie was saying regarding, you know, the airline industry and other segments of travel. I think from a hotelier perspective, we're way behind the power curve in technology, and we need to make sure we get to that level one way or another. We need to make sure that you, know, the guest, has just an easy of an experience booking a airline or a rental car 
as they are booking a hotel room. Yeah, reducing friction. <coughs> I agree. Um, the other thing I noticed in, in a lot of the the 10-year kind of outlooks was a lot of folks, again, were talking about personalization. Yeah. Um, and, and, again, a major, major focus on guest experience as well. So, yeah. Overall, I, I really appreciated the feedback we got. I, I think it was good for a couple of reasons. One, I, I think it kind of added a little more depth to some of the, the things that we'd already commented on. But two, it also reinforced a lot of what we interpreted from the data as well. So mm-hmm. I think as an, as an industry working together towards some of these things that we're, we're talking about, improving guest experience, improving integration, innovating, you know, using new things like AI in our technology, it seems to me like we're all on the same page, which is, to me, is a real p- positive thing. And again, we plan on doing this study with, with Stay in Touch and Flip2 on a, on a regular basis, probably annually, maybe more frequently, but we want to see where it goes. So this is the start of the conversation, and we hope that we're catalyzing discussions within your organizations and within you know the, between you and your vendors, and that we can help play a little part in pushing us all together in a positive direction. So, hey, that's two great episodes on this study. Again, if you want to get the data, fueltravel.com slash tech study is where to get it. And Ricky, thank you once again for being on our show. I could do the math and figure out now you've been on like a pretty substantial percentage, like 4% of our total episodes you've been on now with your fourth. That feels good. Yeah. Yeah, that feels good. It's an honor for all of us, I think. (laughs) Especially for the listeners, for sure. Of uh, course, Elizabeth. Yeah. So if, if people want to find you, Ricky, or get in touch with you, where can they do so? Um, very easy. So over at uh, Flip uh, Flip to our site, flip.to, um, or on Twitter, flip2rick, F-L-I-P, the number two, R-I-C-K. Awesome. And Pete, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter also at pdimeo, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Melissa. I'm on Twitter at M-A-Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. It sounded like you struggled to spell your own last name. <coughs> I did. Did you, you weren't sure if there was a U in there? or? It's not the U. I, I wasn't sure if I had all the A's in there. Okay, gotcha. All right, and are you have any hopes of becoming a Supreme Court justice? Uh, no, because that is misspelled. Ah. Do they have a U in their name? Yes. Okay. All right, well, you can find uh, me at Stuart <laughs> Butler on Twitter. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, get the download to this tech study, fueltravel.com slash tech study. And you can get the show notes for today's show. There probably won't be a whole lot, so don't even bother. But they're at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 93. And please remember to subscribe. If this is the first episode you've ever listened to, welcome. And we'd love to have you back next episode. Uh, you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. So iTunes or the Apple podcast, Google play, all those things. And until next time you have been listening to the fuel hotel marketing podcast. Hey Stuart. Yeah. I couldn't figure out why the baseball kept getting larger and larger and then it hit me. <laughs> <laughs>